When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 66. Connor, 66. This is the first Poke the Bear episode. The nobody episode. Nobody in Bruins history, according to HockeyReference.com, has ever been number 66. That's why I feel like 66 is not, not like a crazy number to, to, to have. I mean, Mario Lemieux was 66. I, right. I don't know any other 66s, but I'm surprised no one's been 66. It is slightly surprising, but at least it's good that we're, we're hitting this point where, I mean, eventually down the road, we're going to get into the hundreds, right? So we might as well brace for it now. And, you know, it's actually kind of reassuring that we're not missing anyone. So I don't want like Spoke Z or anyone to get rattled. The fact that we're missing names, like it's good to know that we have a clean slate starting with this episode. I wonder if we'll ever hit a point in human history where like every number is retired and they have to switch to like triple digit numbers, you know, like will the Celtics have to do that at some point? Cause they retire like every single number. They, they might have to. Yeah. Like we joke, but like they're running out pretty soon <laughs> running out or you have guys be like negative numbers. Like, Oh yeah. You know, uh, G- you know, Jimmy John is uh negative Noted two sub maker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy John, yes, <laughs> or Papa Gino. He's not. He's yes. negative five. You know. Um. Anyways, that is Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky. Connor, how you been? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh. So Bruins have played two games, and now the schedule kind of gets normal for a bit. A little uh, bit. A little bit. They lost to Philly six to three Wednesday night. We waited like two weeks, or not two weeks, but like. Felt two like, years. Felt like two years, yeah. Yeah, felt like years to watch them lose to Martin Jones. Very fun. Uh, and then they we they play the Sabres on Friday night. So uh, obviously just two games. Hard to overreact on stuff, but why yeah. not overreact a little bit? Bruins but one area. Are, Bruins fans overreacting, Evan? What are you what yeah, talking about? Never, never. But one area you should not overreact in, and this is uh, something that I've noticed, and I know you've noticed over the past two games, is First, going into the season, it was, there's a goalie controversy. Lena Solmark's not playing. There must be a controversy. And then Swayman gets game two, and Swayman looked terrible. Swayman had a bad game. First real bad game of his young career. Um, and everyone's, you know, I, I saw DJ Bean tweet something like, well, well, you know, what did you expect? He's young. You know, we expected, you know, the Bruins expected him to be insanely good, and he's not. And it's like, no, Swayman's fine. He's young. Young goalies have bad games from time to time. That comes with being a young goalie. Yeah. Um, is there is there cause for concern? No, no. Like <laughs> it's crazy. Like, and you said like even young goalies go through 
tough stretches. So do great goalies. Great goalies friggin' suck sometimes. Like, you have bad days where you just want to burn the game tape. And that was one for Jeremy Swayman. Like, within the context and looking through the lens of just one game, it's one, it's a miracle that we've gotten this far into Swayman's, you know, small sample size of the NHL where he's had a stinker. Like, this has been an outlier so far, which is a good problem for the Bruins in terms of not having to deal with this yet. But I imagine if you ask Bruce Cassian and his staff, were you expecting this at some point? They'd have to say yes, right? Sometimes you just don't have it. And for a rookie goalie, you're going to hit these bumps in the road in terms of their development. So if I'm a Bruins fan, I'm not overreacting. Again, try to tell them that. But over one game like this, I mean, the defense in front of him didn't help him out. But Swayman, you know, there's no sugarcoating. Just, you know, he was late on a few a few plays. Like, that game very well could have been like a 4-3 game if it wasn't just stopping a few of those uh, chances that were developing in front of him, bad rebound control. So uh, is it anything to get worked up over? I don't think so. I mean, it's the same as, as you said, people are ready to, you know, just a few days ago, people were like, why aren't we, why do we spend 5 million on Linus Olmark when Jeremy Swingman's going to win the Calder? Like, what are, we, what are we worried about? It's like, because you have to imagine these are going to be bumps on the road for a young goalie. So uh, is it anything worth fretting over? No it's going to be interesting to see how he builds off of it. You know, as poised as Swayman has been, as you know, seems like he's always a very positive guy. It'll be interesting to see just how he reacts to maybe the first, you know, roadblock he's had to deal with in terms of building off of this. You know, he had plenty of momentum both last year, going into this year, taking that opening night start. Seems like everything was going well for him. We'll see how he kind of deals with the first little bit of adversity up at the NHL level. But to now all of a sudden, you know, head down to the doomsday bunkers and, you know, go DEFCON 1. Uh, a little bit premature, right? Every goalie has rough, has a rough game or, or two even. Like, even if, let's say, Swayman comes out again and struggles, I'm not ready to all of a sudden, uh, you know, check Shields MRI, see how uh, Tuka Rask is doing, right? Like, I don't think we need to start doing that yet. It's I wrote a column a few days ago talking about just how it's far too early in the season to have any sort of goalie controversy, considering, one, it's not fair to, you know, paint, uh, you know, a guy like Olmark with a broad brush off of a few bad preseason games, nor is it fair to run with the fact that Swayman's a franchise goalie just yet. I think you need to give both those guys ample amount of time and reps to to sort things out and kind of deal with this situation that's not going to get settled for a while. So uh, is it ideal? No. Would you have liked a shutout and like the Bruins to beat Martin Jones? Of course. But uh, something doesn't work out that way. And for a rookie goalie, just, you know, as promising as they are, they hit these bumps in the road. So it shouldn't really surprise Bruins fans as much as go on Twitter, go on any uh, message boards. Seems like it's uh, it's pretty dour out there right now. Yeah, so you hit it. I mean, both of these guys have something in common. They've lacked looks. You have not seen Lena Solmark in black and gold very much. Jeremy Swayman had, you know, what was it, 11 games last year? 10 games. And then... He- 10 games, 10 games last year, home opener. He also had that, uh, he came in in relief against the Islanders in game five last year. It wasn't too great, but it was, again, it was a relief appearance. So you haven't seen much of Swayman either. So you can't sit here and say, you know, oh, it's official. Jeremy Swayman, bust. You know, you need, you need someone behind him ready to go because he's not ready to be a starter. And you also can't be like, well, Linus Olmark sucks. You know, Linus Olmark, what a waste of money. You have no idea yet. You don't. Now, was Olmark good in the preseason? Hell no. No, he wasn't good. <laughs> like that, We're not saying he was. But at the same time, he's a free agent. He's in a new place behind a new defense. That happens. It 
happens. Again, I've, I've said all along, I think Olmark's going to hit his stride mid-season. Sometimes mid-season, you're going to see him go on a real run. Um, and whether or not he takes a starting job, I don't know. Mid-season's also when Tuka Rask could come back. So uh, you don't know there. But I, I yeah, I don't see – and also Olmark posted that uh, picture of, on Instagram, I believe, of him hugging Swayman, if, I, if I'm correct yes. about that. Uh, so I don't think they hate each other. Yeah. I don't think they hate each other. There's no, you know, no, no fights in the locker room over those two. Um, but yeah, I don't think a goalie controversy is brewing anytime soon. Uh, and, and even when we talked on Bruins beat on Monday saying how Swayman looked poised and good every time we're none of, neither of us have ever said, Oh, he's the, he's definitely a franchise goalie. What we've said the entire time is like, well, he could definitely be one, but we need to see a little bit more out of him. Um, if we're going to dub him that and, and by more, I mean like a season or two, <laughs> like this is not like, Oh, Oh, one seat, you know, oh, one season or anything. So on the goaltending side, uh, I do think that there's a lot of overreacting, but that's the fun of it, right? I mean, it's a, it's a, that's the fun of hockey season. We overreact to stuff. Where there is not overreaction, and I think this is something that could be an issue uh, going forward, is on D. Uh, you saw it on Wednesday night. Turnovers, sloppy play, um, missed coverages, especially, and, and Bruce highlighted this after the game with Mike Riley and Brandon Carlo, those two. Um Really tough defensively. Uh, not good. Mike Riley had a turnover that led directly to a goal. Yes. It's funny because he came out of his own zone blazing. And I'm like, oh, nice. All like, right, yeah. Okay, go go on in. Uh, and just immediate turnover. Go right the other way. And they immediately score. But on that play, I will say, shout out to Taylor Hall, yes. who back-checked hard. Back-checking God, apparently. Ever so since much got to the Bruins. All- yeah, so much for all these people who are like, oh, he's, 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 you know, he's past his prime. He sucks. He's not hard work. He doesn't care about his team. Uh, that back check actually almost stopped a goal. He, he was this close to just p- pulling that puck off the line. But that does not discount the fact that, again, the Bruins defense, there's some trouble there right now. Yeah, no, it was definitely concerning. And it, it's disheartening in a way because we, saw Bruce Cassidy before the game go back to that top pairing of McAvoy and Grizzlick. You know, he, he mentioned that uh, that Bergeron line plus McAvoy and Grizzlick are probably going to get a lot of looks with Philly's top line, which is Giroux, Couturier, and Konechny, which skilled line, but not overly physical. Like, you know, I think Konechny has a little bit of a bite to his game, but it's not like you're matching them up and they're going to be knocking around Grizzlick. So I think the Bruins saw an opportunity. All right, we can overload our, our top group and see how it does. And what do you know? They looked pretty good. Like, I think Grizzlick and McAvoy were out there together. The Bruins outscored Philly 2-0. Um, trademark kind of game from both of them, moving the puck with authority, avoiding pressure, uh, supporting the pucks at the blue line, feeding it back in, extending ozone time. As expected. Great. No surprises there. You put McAvoy and Grizzlick together, especially with the Bergeron line. They're going to look pretty good. Problem is, when you switch that that, that lineup around, you get a situation where, uh, you know, you have Derek Fulbert with Connor Clifton, which did not go well. Uh, I mean, Fulbert, you know, pinches up high, gets gets caught, and then all of a sudden there's that two-on-one that leads to Atkinson's first goal. Um, and then I think probably from, based on Bruce Cassidy's post-game comments, the most disappointing thing was, you know, Fulbert and Clifton, uh, third pairing going into that, Fulbert still adjusting. It's to be expected there'll be some bumps in the road. Like, you know, I still don't think we're going to, you know, the jury's out on him or anything like that in terms of that he's not, he couldn't be an effective player in the right role in this team. But uh, for Kahlo and Riley, who have been together for a little bit there, to put together a performance like that, not great. And 
I think we all are well aware of Mike Riley's skills and, you know, what he brings to his team in terms of his transition game, playmaking ability, especially at five and five play, very valuable. But also when you play a style like that can, can lead to some, uh, some Jekyll and Hyde performances, I think. And you kind of saw the latter there with, with how, um, how that played out there where, as you said, bad neutral zone turnovers you know, that led directly to, it's not like the one where it's like, all right, loose puck, like, you know, it leads, starts the sequence that eventually leads. It was like, no, directly like bang, bang, a few seconds bang. later, Philly's on the board. Um, again, is it worth, you know, all of a sudden start looking at Hampus Lindholm or some, you know, trade target? No, but uh, if this team's going to succeed, especially with Swayman and that and Olmach, I think you need to have a, a tighter performance. And maybe that means, Still splitting up McAvoy and Grizzly just to have another puck mover like Grizzly with Fulber, uh, with Clifton. Um, but even if you do that, you still need a better play out of Riley and Kahlo. I imagine that group's going to stay the same. And, uh, you, I mean, you just can't have a performance like that, especially in front of a rookie goaltender. So this hits at a point that will get you later in the season. And again, maybe this is overreacting, but I don't, I don't think this is. And we both agreed on this, I think, at the beginning of this. It, well, it is the beginning of the season, but preseason. They're going to need def- they're going to need to go out and add defensemen at the deadline. I think this kind of a, a night like last night, even though it's two games in, does reinforce that. Um, that you're you know again, can you rely on Clifton as your everyday third pairing right shot defenseman? I don't know. Uh, can you you know can you trust that Mike Riley's going to be good enough to be on your second pairing? I don't know. So as, it is a lot of question marks on D, which makes me think that. You, they might have to add a left and right shot defenseman at the deadline. Also, just for depth. Like, it's not like you can even really, unless they put John Moore in there on that right side, there's no, like, definite substitute you can put in for Clifton to, like, send a message. Even yeah. though I didn't think Clifton was, like, the worst last night. Mm-hmm. But even if he if he was, who are you putting in there to, like, send a message to? Right. Like, hey, you can't do that. Like, the only guy I would think of was, like, Brady Lyle, but that's not right now. That's maybe the midway point of the season where he has more reps in the AHL. Maybe you turn to him if he's playing well. But there's, as you said, there's not, like, a guy knocking on the door right now ready to kick the door down that makes Clifton be like, oh, shit, I have really got to keep on stringing together these performances or I'm going to be out of a job. Yeah, there's not even, like, a Stephen Camper uh, yeah. back there for to, to do that. So it just, it, again, another a light, night like last night enforces that if you are going to make a run, you do need to add reinforcements. And it's fine they enter the season like this. Like, I think that's completely fine the way it is. It's not ideal, but given the, you know, again, there wasn't a ton in free agency. You know, guys got signed to tons of money. You weren't going to pay Alec Martinez or even Alexiak what he got. Um, but you're going to need to find creative ways to add on your back end. And I think um, I'd say that's a safe bet they're probably going to make at the deadline. That they're probably going to add uh, on D. But when we talk... Real safe bets. There's only only one place, Connor, you endorse. Right you are, Evan. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football's back. Red Sox are now holding on for dear life. The B's and C's <laughs> are back on the ice and the parquet, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. 25 years. That's like double the age of my co-host, Evan Marinovsky. I'd say triple. Wow, that's that's pretty lofty. <laughs> Listen, guys. These guys have been in the business for a long time, and they know their stuff. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, 
golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So join now. Check out the multiple offers they have on the table, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit when you use promo code BSJ. Evan, no one beats that. Per source. Per source. I'm, I'm hearing that, that right? No one beats that? Is that the director in my ear saying nobody beats that? No way. No one beats that. I bet a bet US, and so should you. That's BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. Again, enter promo code BSJ when you sign up, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. BetUS.com, where the game begins. Game begins. You mentioned the Celtics. I, I'm going to the Celtics game on Friday night. Uh, not to cover it, going with friends. I have not been to a Celtics Sick game. Brag. Sick brag. I've not gone to a Celtics game, I don't think, since... God, I was thinking today, like, 2015 or 16? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that me, it dated me a little bit, I guess. Huh? Dated you, uh, and I. But then I, we, I agreed to tickets, and I said, "Wait a second, not only do the Bruins play uh, Friday night, but the Red Sox play as well, Game Six. Now, I will say, if there is a Bruins game to miss for me, Friday might be it because I think Scott McLaughlin tweeted this out uh, yesterday. Get ready for the influx of people, and I don't blame them. Yes, I do. I do not blame them. Just. Tweeting and filling the timeline with where the he- how the hell do I watch this Bruins game? Um, and I don't blame you because I would be doing the same thing if I was in your shoes. So uh, yes. it is on e- ESPN, ESPN Plus. Plus for people who want to know. And yes, ESPN Plus. You cannot go on ESPN and you'll find it. You must subscribe. So get ahead of it now because I think the Bruins' next ESPN Plus game I want to say is the Black Friday game against the Rangers. Which is it really? I, I think didn't... so. Which that, oh. So get ahead of it now, guys. Uh, if you miss it, this one, uh, just be aware that the next one's a pretty big one. People like to watch that game uh, against the Rangers every Black Friday. So uh, <laughs> do your research now because it's going I, – I know that on tomorrow – on Friday, rather, it is going to uh, – my Twitter timeline will be inundated. People asking, yes. where the fuck is the game? <laughs> and I don't blame again. I, yes. I don't blame anybody. Like that's the thing. Like as, as we will make fun of it, but like I, I don't, do not blame you at all. Now I will say though, and we'll get to this with the state of the Atlantic later when we talk about that. I actually think ESPN Plus is worth it. I do. Uh, I've had it. I bought it for there was a fight over the summer I wanted to watch, and I stupidly bought the whole thing. But but it's been worth it because I can watch any game. Like tonight, Thursday night, for instance, when we're, when we're recording this, I can watch the Avalanche and the Predators. No, no Avalanche and the Panthers. Um, I want to watch that game and I can watch it now because I have ESPN plus by the way, they're not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor yes. at all. So I, I, I'm giving my endorsement because I think it, it's, it's good because you can watch any game you want. So, um, yes, uh, I will not have to, I guess, deal with it as much as, um, you'll still you get will. the tweets though, Evan. I can't wait. <laughs> definitely don't, definitely don't target them all at me. Um, anyways, staying on uh, a positive note, not really. Uh, there are some injuries to the middle six. On your Boston Bruins. Nick Felino is out for Friday's game. He's day-to-day with uh, what they say was an upper body injury. Craig Smith was um, had a maintenance day on Thursday. Per Cassidy should be good for Friday's game. But Nick Felino being out this early, not great. Not, great. not, what, you're, not, look, not what you're looking for, Evan. No. No, uh, no it's definitely a, a tough hit both for, for him. And even though he may not be the most... 
dynamic on that line. I think you saw, especially in that game against the Flyers, where he was out, and it was kind of that rotating cast in that line. Kind of lost its identity a little bit, struggled to kind of string together some positive shifts. So I think beyond just the the fit and the presence of the player, I think just having consistency among line mates is key, especially early in the season and with so many new faces on this Bruins team. You don't want to have another situation where DeBrusque is, you know, cycling through multiple other wingers and what have you. So tough hit uh, based on what Cassidy said, you know, we'll obviously miss Friday's game against Buffalo and most likely Sunday's matinee against San Jose. Um, hopefully that's kind of all it is, but uh, for right now, it looks like, we're not going to get a, a dramatic call up. At least that's what Bruce Cassidy kind of hinted at. It very well could be, uh, no sick getting bumped up to the third line and then a fourth line of Anton Bleed, Trent Frederick and Carson Kuhlman. So yeah. the, Jack, the Jackson, the Sidneka stands, unfortunately must, might, might have to stand down for and wait a little bit longer because we might not be getting that for a little bit. Yeah. I don't think that's going to come now. I feel like that would come later. And you're also not replacing a center. Yes. So like if this was Hala, you would just bring Stanika up. Yes. But uh, it is not. But it sucks losing Felino this early. I mean, he's fit well in the dressing room. Uh, again, that third line's been buzzing preseason games and uh, first game. So losing him kind of sucks right now. Um, hopefully it's not something that is um, nagging him all year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, not great. Not the Not, not the thing you great. want. Not great at all. And again, as you mentioned, DeBrusque is the main guy I think I worry about the most because you want the consistency with him. You want, again, having veteran presences like uh, Felino and Hollow with him. A good thing. Definitely a good thing, especially for um, a guy like Jake DeBrusque. So now we can talk about the state of the Atlantic division, which is just nuts. I mean, like, I think it's probably the craziest division in hockey thus far. There's been so many wild things. I don't even really know where to start. Uh, I have the standings up in front of me right now leading the division, Florida, Buffalo, Detroit. As we expected. Like, as we expected. As we expected. Definitely now, Florida, what I wrote in my predictions. Yes. Oh, and all. we predicted it, you know, three three months ago we predicted this. Um, but Florida's been fun to watch. I mean, that yes. team is good. Like, Florida's good. I, I, I don't think anyone, this is anyone's completely surprised by that. Uh, but Buffalo is dominating their opponents. Granted, the opponents haven't been that great, but they've been outplaying them, and they don't look terrible. Uh, and then Detroit has been good. I watched a little bit of Detroit, and I didn't hate it. I have some guys on my fantasy team. I Yes, I do fantasy hockey, which is not something most people don't, but I do. And I watched it for that, and not a bad team. Not a bad team. So what have you thought of the Atlantic Division thus far? Uh, I'm trying not to get carried away by what we've seen over the first week, as you said. Uh, Buffalo is getting more surprising, not only the fact that, as you said, they're playing – uh, some pretty subpar opponents. So, and how many times have we gone through this before when they actually have had more talent? <laughs> we're like, oh, this could be the year, and then it gets to like after uh, Thanksgiving, and they completely fall apart. So, what year uh, was that when they first did that? Was that twenty eighteen nineteen? They were. I want to say it was, uh, like, say it was eighteen nineteen. Where they like were Jeff like Skinner was absurd. Yep. in that November month. Yeah, um. So I mean, for this team, give them credit. I think they're at least playing more structured hockey. I think if you look at kind of the underlying numbers, it's a lot of kind of boring hockey, but they're playing structure, a structured game. They're not getting beaten foot races. They're not letting, you know, grade A chances develop in front of their goalies. So they're playing the right formula to kind of grind out wins with the talent they have. So kudos to them. I have to imagine eventually the dam's going to break there. So not too worried about that. Um, Florida's been as advertised. Great. I mean, that team's going to be right up there. Um, and Montreal, own four. 
Uh, not great. I imagine, you know, we expected there was going to be a drop-off. Obviously, Carey Price is away for the team right now. Um, Mark Bergevin pretty much said that Shea Weber's done, which is not not great for that team. Um, but still, even if I think the expectations were that Montreal was going to take a step back from getting to the Stanley Cup final last year, like I don't think people were, uh, knew that probably wasn't going to happen again. But with that young core, you expected them to at least be competitive, you know, maybe push for that four seed in the, the Atlantic. Um, it looks pretty rough right now. Looks like, you know, it's not just the fact that they've got a lot of young players, seem pretty disengaged, getting beat by the San Jose Sharks. Uh, not exactly what you're looking for for that team. So Sabres we'll see kind of, too. Sabres yeah, the Sabres well. too. Yep. So uh, not great for them. Uh, makes it easier for the other teams that could be on that three seed, four seed. Makes things a little bit easier in terms of whether that's Boston, Toronto. You know, you've got kind of this, you know, even though Buffalo and Detroit are doing well, we have to imagine it's eventually going to be, you know, the top four of Tampa Bay, Florida, Boston, Toronto. Like, I, I think that's pretty – yeah, I know, I'm being really bold here. I'm throwing out the crazy <sighs> proclamations. But you have to imagine that's already kind of the set tier. And having Montreal really kind of slip off as well is going to make that that much better. So, uh, no real surprises. And maybe the least surprising news of all, Nikita Kucherov oh. is going to yeah, be on the DIR. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not great for them. Uh, for right now, but we'll see what happens uh, a few months down the road. Oh yeah, yeah. He'll, I think I, I I'm gonna make a hot take, hot okay. prediction here. Okay, I'm betting he comes back at the start of the postseason. You won't believe this. I'm so I glad think... this is being recorded because I'm gonna clip this, and when it inevitably doesn't happen, I know it's a bold take. So I'm gonna bold hold you to exposed. it. Now. Yeah. No, I that didn't surprise me at all. I was so I laughed so hard when I saw that he was not only well, I didn't laugh at his injury, but I laughed that he made well yeah, haha, you're hurt. Um no, I laughed at the fact that he just went on LTIR. It's like, oh, it's just a repeat of last year. And they're gonna go out and I I someone tweeted this, get they're like they're I was like Jack Eichel's on a plane already to Tampa Bay. <laughs> like he's already there. Um it's funny though, I'm looking at this Montreal team, the the just the box scores, the stats. No one has above two points. They've played four games. There's only two people with two points. There's no other production. Like, there's a couple guys with one point, and then it's nothing. There's Tyler Foley, it's zero. The, it's like Druan is the only one who's scoring for them. Druan has two goals. That's the most on the team. The next is, uh, I think, Chris Weidman with one. And then that's it. They have three goals. So you're telling me that Cole Caulfield's not, you're telling me that Cole Caulfield's not going to score 40 goals like everyone said he was. Which is, which is annoying because I put him on my top, uh, NCAA players for this year. I put him above Kyle Connor. I put him above, um, who was the other that I missed? There was an, oh, uh, Jacob Slavin. Uh, I put Cole, I really took a big leap there. And I'll call this is Caulfield's year. So we put up, you know, 25 goals and so far, uh, nothing. Nick Suzuki, Brennan Gallagher. Uh, so they, you know, they are, there's not a lot going on. Maybe Thomas Tatao is the actual key until he, he'll eventually will not show up in the playoffs as he does every year, but regular season, Corsi God, Thomas Tatao is your guy. Beautiful. I'm not surprised though. I mean, I'm surprised it's this bad, but I'm not surprised this team regressed. I think out of all the things in the Atlantic that are, that's, you know, happening right now, I think this is the one that's probably going to, you know, be consistent throughout the years. Montreal is not going to be good. Like yes. I don't know why people. I mean, again, it's a it's a cool young core, I guess, but like that's about it. I don't know. They've, and also, they don't carry Price in net. You have Jake Allen. Like I don't. You don't have, like that's a big loss. So I, I'm not surprised by this. I don't think it'll change much. I mean, maybe they'll win a the game. That'd be cool. Maybe they'll do it. Um, but yeah, that's been the Atlantic. I mean, I don't think there's 
that's a lot of like weird little things. A lot um, of teams happening. play a lot of hockey, and there's the Bruins. So yes, I know. By the way, the Bruins are in seventh place right now. Time to sell everybody. Exactly. Seventh place. What a disappointment. Speaking of disappointments, by the way, the Kraken, <laughs> which the, the Seattle Kraken. I mean, as you know, I, too many people had high predictions for them. But like once they, I feel like we all said once they like did their draft, we were like, wait a second, how's this team supposed to compete? How, and that's how, how they're gonna score. And I mean, honestly, the more concerning thing so far has been the defense. I mean, they've had some bad breakdowns that Lozon looks yeah. great over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw some people were tweeting about how uh, they shouldn't they should have exposed Grizzly and kept Lozon. I'm like, have you been watching the fucking games, guys? <laughs> like, no, no, apparently not. <laughs> Probably not. I know it's, you know, time change out in the Pacific. Maybe not catching some of these games, but uh, I think they made kind of the right call there. And also the people who who uh, who were like, oh, this is a big loss for the Bruins. It's like, I don't know. No, it really isn't. Left shot defenseman who was never going to pass, like, your third pairing and had, like, defensive liability issues. Yeah, I'm all right with losing Evan. that. He hits guys, and if you can just ignore that he coughed up that puck that led to that OT loss against the Islanders, which if it was any guy under 5'11", they would have crucified him, then you can ignore that. Yeah, it's true. That is true. I forgot about that play against the Islanders. Mm. That was nuts. But didn't that hit Coil Skate? Hate to bring that up, but didn't that hit Coil Skate and, like, bounce to center ice or something? I don't know. It was relevant. Like, bone, bonehead play. Bonehead Irrelevant. play. Bonehead play. Um, but, yeah, the Kraken, not much is going on with them. They're just kind of... Losing games, <laughs> hanging <Existing>. out, <laughs> it's crackening, and it's so funny because like ESPN and Turner are promoting them so hard, especially ESPN promoting the Kraken like crazy. And I get it; they're a new team, right? Like that makes sense. You promote the new team and to the new fans who are watching, but it's going to be tough when that team is just brutal at the end of the year. But again, they could compete. That division sucks. So. I don't know. I mean, they very I, well could be in the mix. Like, I think they're not a particularly riveting product. I think when they get rolling, which I imagine eventually they will, you're still going to have a whole lot of two-one games, stuff like that. So, like, they're they're built to grind out points, but doesn't make for the most riveting product on the ice. That's for sure. No, I and I don't think this will be Vegas. I don't think this will be like remotely close to no. Vegas I mean, in 2017, 18. that team. Was, <laughs> I mean, that team had so much working in their favor, and they fleeced over so many teams that I think one. Other teams got the got the mo in terms of how you know they weren't going to get fleece like it was with uh, it was it McPhee or whoever was running uh, Vegas at the time. Ron Francis wasn't going to follow that up with another encore performance. But uh, yeah, th- as we said back during that draft, we're like, all right, like there's a foundation here, but where how are you guys going to score? All right, what, what are you doing? Unless Brandon Sanders scores thirty goals, which I mean, he, the dude might. He might. Three goals uh, so far. Jared McCann has five points in five games. I can't sit here and act like I know everything about this team. I mean, I've, yes. I've watched like one game. <laughs> yes. I just like read what people have been saying. So anyways, that's kind of our look around the league, uh, especially the Atlantic is just hilarious. Um, but what can the people look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal? Well, Evan, we got a, a feature dropping tomorrow about uh, Bruce Cassidy and Chris Kelly, who is uh, in his first year as assistant coach with the Bruins. So excited to drop that. Have a few more features in the pipeline that we'll be uh, releasing over the next couple of weeks, along with the expected day-to-day coverage, uh, game recaps, breakdowns, all that stuff that comes with the Bruins finally playing like a more normal schedule now. We don't have to wait five days in between games anymore, which will be great. So 
all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have great rest every day. <laughs>